Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about a framework uh, from which to discuss and consider and maybe self-reflect and grow through the subject of what we would call mental health or emotional health. Um, I'm not a big fan of the word mental health because I think that encourages people to not talk about their mental health. Because it feels like, well, I'm mentally sick. Was that, is that, mm. you know? Uh, but so I prefer the term emotional health or soul care, self care. Uh, but we're talking about anxiety, despair, depression, you know, things we go through, um, fears, um, um, you know, like intimidation from authority figures, just all kinds of emotional health issues. I've really been thinking about this uh, basic framework from which to kind of start understanding them and start diving into getting better. So I'm eager to try that out on you, John, see if I can uh, cure you tonight. Uh, I'm uh, I'm notoriously <laughs> bad at these kinds of things, mental health things, diagnostics for your mental health. So we'll we'll see if I can, uh, if the caveman can understand the this sophisticated there you um, go. And and, and it's, it's not super sophisticated, so I am eager to hear your feedback upon it and uh, see how it uh, how it rubs you. Awesome. First, we've got uh, story and or joke time. And last week you had show and tell, so this week it is your story. All right. And I'm going to tell a story that's very um, vulnerable for me, but it uh, kind of segues nicely into our topic for the day. Mm. Uh, so it's my 12th birthday. I am 12 years old. We are turning 12. Yeah, well, I'm 12. It's my birthday. So I have turned. And and so we had a a big uh, uh, custom van in our family, and so we were all piled in that van, and we were going to Farrell's Ice Cream, which was at the mall. Mm. Every uh, birthday you could choose whether to have – you know, a cake or go out for ice cream. So we were going to Farrell's ice cream. Pretty cool place. Couldn't there. even get both on your birthday. I don't remember. And I might even be just not remembering that clear. That's not the point of the story, John. <laughs> so anyway, um, we went to Farrell's ice cream. It's in the mall. And, uh, as we dump out of the van into the parking lot, we start walking, um, toward Farrell's. My dad chooses that moment to have a couple of conversations with me. One was about untying and tying my shoes because i would never untie my shoes so i took them off and i put them back on without ever untying them yeah i do that that drove him crazy <laughs> and that my whole life he said i can't believe i still remember how to tie my shoes <laughs> he said it's time for you to become a man and uh, start tying your shoes untying them tying them and i'm like yeah so some guy picks on me i say watch out dude i untie my shoes <laughs> uh, anyway, so that was the shorter conversation. The next one was he asked me if I had reached puberty. And uh, it was a very personal question. And you so tell. we kind of lagged behind so that I wouldn't have my sisters and brother hear my answers. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I said, you know, I, I said I was embarrassed by the question, didn't want to have the conversation. And... Um, I said, that's none of your business. He said, come on, man, just tell me. He said, on your brother's 12th birthday, I asked him. I said, what'd he say? He said, hell yeah. So I said, well, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> and the truth was, I didn't know if I had reached puberty or not. I didn't know. I, yeah, I wouldn't have known in the middle of it. What I, even? I didn't even know, you know, how would you know? And yeah. so I was lost on that. But I pretended to know because it was a very embarrassing moment. And the reason... That story um, segues into today's conversation is because the way we develop from childhood to adulthood and the different obstacles we hit and the different experiences we have do contribute to our formation. And I would argue that when we think we have um, anxiety, for example, that's not directly attached to a cause I think that there actually might be some underlying causes that we don't understand. Mm. That's my working theory, but we'll get there. 
So sure. let's get started, first of all, with one central question. Um, and this is just helpful for me, to, and I think maybe it's a – let's see if it's helpful to you, John. Sure. Uh, the, the definition of what is pain. Um, and I, I like this. This is from Dr. Henry Cloud. He's one of my heroes. And uh, he describes pain as the gap between perfection and your reality. Perfection being like the intended design of the world, like like the way it should be. In any moment, yeah. we all we all are perfectionists, and we have a craving for perfection. We're frustrated with ourselves. We're frustrated with others. We know the world is not as it should be, and we have this yearning for perfection, which is because we were made for the Garden of Eden, which was going to be perfect. We were going to be perfect, and so there remains in us this um, instinct that believes things should be perfect. Mm -hmm. And so when they're not, and this would be true for any arena of your life. So um, the way you look, you think you should look perfect. And um, I've got to adjust my reality to how I actually look or um, how a relationship goes or success in a school or in a sport or uh, how you perform in some way or how, a conflict gets resolved or that there even is a conflict. Sure. What do you think so far? Uh, I'm with you. So this is not perfection as in, as in the, uh, the life that you want, right? This is like, this is perfection as in, as God intended the world to be. Well, it's also what you want because you want perfection. And, um, so for example, um, we're both married people. And mm -hmm. when our wife treats us in a way, that is less than perfect responds to our emotional needs in a way that's less than perfect. We feel pain when we behave poorly toward our wives um, and we fail to hit their expectations. We feel pain. And so do they. Yeah. So pain, um, not ouch pain, but you know, emotional pain is a constant in life because perfection actually is unattainable by us. We are fallen, depraved beings. My my gut, um, you know, my knee-jerk reaction to that is that my definition of, of pain maybe is different than, than that. That might be my definition of, I don't know, there's a word I'm missing, but but but, but basically discomfort. To me, pain, Frustration. pain is... Right, yeah. Pain is like a... Um, is un is unbearable by by its nature. So like, mm. it is you, something you go through short term. Um, mm. that you think I could not do this forever. So like, um, that's why that's why chronic pain I think is so um leads mm -hmm. to so many things like, uh, suicides or um you know hopelessness because mm. you realize I'm going to deal with this unbearable situation long term. Yeah, but some pain is not unbearable. Some pain is just uh frustrating, like a little gnat flying in front of your face. Um, and other pain is catastrophic and the same mm. would be true for, uh, for example, this is a great, uh, this is a great example of this. I think, um, I've been captivated with the idea that one of the reasons there's such a pandemic of anxiety is that we were never designed by God to handle the volume of chaos and crises and disasters that we, uh, engage because of media. And yeah, so with, uh, with media gone, you know, you were designed to handle the chaos and ca catastrophes that come to your neighborhood, to your community, to your village. But not the whole world. But not the whole world. And now we have all of the tragedies of the world in real-time exposure to us, and we can't, we can't catalog it. We can't deal with it. Yeah, yeah. So that's and, pain. So that's what I would say. That that's pain because the world's not perfect, and that creates frustration for me. And um, frustration becomes painful. Now, I don't mean like, uh, oh, no, I can't survive anymore because I have this pain. But it's this nagging thing. And for some people, it's a very small nagging thing. But for others, it grows and grows into burnout or depression or other issues. And so this could be useful for seeing how do I resolve this pain in my life? It would be decreasing the distance between your lived experience and the um and perfection and perfection so if if you can't always change your circumstance mm -hmm. right you can't always change your lifestyle is it a um 
like a, a headspace kind of thing? Like you change your perspective? That's or how a, do you decrease yeah, those, That's a great question. So that leads to these four tasks that we have to get good at, that God is actually great at, but we're not great at them. Hmm. And these four tasks done well are ways that we mitigate our pain. They are ways that we uh, reduce our pain, eliminate some pain, um, and um, endure some pain that cannot be eliminated. And so if we become bad at these four tasks, and this is the next list, is then, then, we, then our pain continues. And some of us are pain avoiders. So uh, when we experience a disappointment, a frustration, a wound, a hurt, mm-hmm. a rejection, we put it in a little box, pack it away, and say, I'm never going to discuss that again or think about that because it hurts. Sure. And so you end up with this backlog of pain that's been shoved away, and then all of a sudden some mitigating event dumps the whole box open and you become, you know, you're blubbering in the corner because you're overwhelmed <laughs> with your pain. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so pain avoidance, you know, pain, pretending that the pain isn't there denial is a terrible strategy, but it's yeah. a common one. And so these, uh, these are four things, four ways to deal with pain. So that doesn't happen. Is what you're saying? Well, these are four tasks that we are designed to experience. And if we do them well, we greatly reduce the influence of pain on our lives. And if we do them poorly, we exacerbate our pain. Mm. And so God is great at these, and we are not. So let's. you ready for the four? Yeah, I'm all over it. Okay, so the first is to connect and bond to other human beings. So uh, we're created for this when a, when a baby comes out of the womb into this hellish world they their world is like all of a sudden cold and uh crying and chaos and what they immediately look for is mom you know Mm. they need to connect to a human being and bond yeah and um neurologists tell us that if if a baby does that successfully their brain develops a certain way and if that is with if that is withheld from them um, they're abandoned or they're put in an incubator for the first, you know, they're not allowed to be touched, say, for some medical reason for the first sure. 60 days of their life, that it has a dramatic way that the brain wires itself. So um, this this need to connect and bond with other humans, it's our most fundamental need. And, and we have that need to connect and bond to God, and we have that need to con- connect and bond to other people. Yeah. And uh, if we do that well... Um, pain is mitigated. And if we do that poorly, pain is exacerbated. And sometimes people that we desperately want to connect and bond to not only withhold that connection and bonding, they might manipulate us through it, or they might actually become uh, pain creators and abuse this need we have to connect with them. Does that all make sure. sense? So, so yeah, not only they may not only be negligent, they may be actually um, uh, hurtful. Uh, har- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so that's category. That's task one is connecting and bonding, and and this is ongoing, not just at birth. You know, we you you found a wife, and you want to connect and bond with her, and she wants to connect and bond with you. And marriages have um, ebbs and flows with how well that connection and bonding is taking place, and sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, right. Same yeah. with your kids and your grandkids, whatever, coworkers, friends, neighbors, all of it. For all sure. right. The second task is to separate and be free from others. <laughs> uh, this is a skill that we need. It's a task we need so that I can, you might use the word boundaries here, so that I can understand where you end and where I begin, and I don't lose myself in you or uh, need you to lose yourself in me. So, And this is the tension with the first task. Right, kind of. right. And, uh, so if we, if we don't have the ability to separate ourselves from others and, and have some stand on our own, be our own person, um, self actualize and identify as a individual human being, then it, uh, exacerbates our pain. And you said, uh, God is very good at all of these things. He is. I feel like this one, um, we're not regularly cautioned to put distance between like us and God, for instance, like we should see complete kind of uh, a unison, right? 
Well, uh, think about the Proverbs. You and I have been doing some talking about Proverbs. Mm-hmm. Um, the companion of fools suffers harm. So you would want to separate and not bond to a fool. Gotcha. Gotcha. So this is not necessarily with like your wife then. Right. This is just the, well, with your wife, it would be having appropriate boundaries so that she is free to fully be herself. You're not controlling her. You're not forcing her to be a person you want her to be. You're letting her be herself. And so even in the relationships that are, uh, that are essential, we can distort those relationships because we, um, immaturely demand that they be the person we need them to be rather gotcha. than allow them and accept them to be the people they actually are. Right. Right. And that's, that would be separating and being free from that. Hey, John, you know, you can be you and it may, it may sadden me. It may disappoint me, but it doesn't define me. Interesting. Let's uh let's go on to to three we and and once we get to the end of the list we can go through them and yeah. kind of talk about how they yeah yeah uh, the third task uh, skill set is to uh, process pain that is to, as you go through life to identify things as good or as bad and then be able to process the fact that this hurt me uh, to process disappointment to process rejection uh, to process our own failures. And so if you don't have this skill set to process your pain, you will either compartmentalize it, shove it in a box, you'll swim around in it and never be able to get out of it. Um, So this is a a really significant skill to be able to identify good and bad um, and then to process uh, those hurts. So this one's kind of two and one then i guess right so it's it's first identifying um good and bad and then and then dealing with the bad that's happened to you is that kind of how yeah i would say so and and that does blur because a lot of the a lot of the bad in life is connected to items one and two so somebody i love hurt Mm -hmm. me and that created pain i need to be able to process that pain um and separate myself from them. So, so so these can merge and overlap. Sure, sure. But other times, you know, I got fired from a job and I felt like I performed up to standard. And what do I do with the fact that I was mistreated? If I'm if I'm um, um, if I am penalized for the color of my skin, if I am um, if I am categorized by somebody, if I'm humiliated publicly by someone. You know, I've got to be able to process these wounds and this hurt. If I needed my father to connect with me in a certain way and he failed to do so, mm-hmm. I need to be able to process that. Um, so that's that's the third skill. Gotcha. Gotcha. The fourth one is to have the competencies of an adult. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you begin as this little bitty person and then you're a kid and everybody has more authority than you. And then as you grow, you, 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 uh, you, you earn and develop independence, but then you, you're so, um, as a full adult. So John, you're 24 years old. Happy birthday recently. 25. Uh, I mean, 25 years old. Yeah. Sorry. I knew that. No, you're good. Yeah. I was 25. (laughs) I was 24 up until, you know, up until the day a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so as a 25 year old man, you're an adult. And yeah. even though I'm 58 and I'm your dad, you have to, uh, your development needs to reach the place where you see yourself not as subjugated to me and not as inferior to me, not superior to me, but equal with me. Sure. And so that ability to stand up and be an adult, to exercise independent thought and, um, and not feel inferior to other adults or to feel artificially superior to other adults, but simply to be among the community of adults who allow each other to be who they are without it defining who you are. It, I might, I might be um, taken aback by the wording on this one. I, I might word it more as um, a recognition of, of your independence mm-hmm. or of your autonomy. Yeah, those are good um, words. Yeah, or maybe the, even the kind of um, the sameness of of you and other people that that really, because when when you're a kid, everything is so specialized, right? You're like, well, my favorite color defines me more than you know, 
more than some things. And when you're adult, you realize that really, um, I guess, I guess sameness might be the word there, but, but independence or, or autonomy might be more apt. I like those words a lot, but I think the, the, the bridge that I'm, that I would connect to that is where that autonomy and definition come from. So you might mm. say, for example, well, I'm an independent, strong man because I earn six figures. I'm an independent and strong gotcha. man because that person says I am. Uh, I'm smart because people tell me I'm smart. So um, it's still feeling like I need to be – it, it really comes down to um, the, the, the use or submission to authority. Um, I don't see myself – as better than, and I don't see myself as inferior to, uh, but I can submit to authority and I can handle having authority very well. Like if I'm a boss or if I'm a employee, Mm -hmm. I can navigate those authority structures because I am an adult and I'm not defined by my, my spot on the food chain. Sure. Sure. I'm really curious, John, if, uh, what your takeaway so far, just with the definition of pain and this list of four things, where's your head at right now? Because I don't know if I'm doing a very good job explaining these or if this is connecting with you in any way. No, I think you're doing great. I think it um, – I, I'm curious about stuff like – because, again, this stuff regarding um, mental health or even just um, – um, kind of a a deconstruction process or like unpacking how your mind works. Uh, I think I'm, I'm just uh, characteristically bad at it. So yeah. uh, When I, when I look at this list, I think where did these four even come from? They seem almost, almost uh, random to me. Well, the first first two are linked uh, obviously, but when I think about like the, um, the foundations of mental health, these aren't necessarily the four I would have chosen. So I I would be interested to hear, um, how will these kind of build up a, a foundation or, or um, our pillars, I guess? Yeah. In, in my view, they are the process of going from baby to adult. Hmm. And so these are the developmental processes you go through. And so, um, you know, um, in my home as a child, my uh, dad um, would go out drinking when I was little and come home at two in the morning and mom and dad would fight and they would throw things and smash things. Um, my dad was a habitual adulterer. So mom scooped us up and took us to hotels because dad had cheated again. And so this is my domain as a little kid from really from birth to 16 when he died. Sure. And so, um, that's the way I experience, uh, how to, uh, two married people, uh, connect to each other, how people manage their sexuality, uh, who's in charge at the house, how conflict is resolved. A whole bunch of uh, my toolkit is uh, is shaped by that domain. Yeah. And so I need to – so in that process, I connected and bonded with my mom and my dad to whatever degree I did and to my siblings. I was able to – uh, begin to be independent from them and from my siblings uh, over time as I learned how to separate from them and to be free from them. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there were disappointments and pains of just uh, the the disciplinary methods of my dad or watching him throw my brother against a wall. Uh, you know, so processing these disappointments, these hurts, these desires you have for uh, your parents to love each other and be connected and for that to be harmonious. And you're disappointed with that. Uh, times when I would compete and he would be unhappy with my performance and let me know about it and the pain of uh, disappointing him, you know, whatever. And then this uh, eventually becoming an adult where I say, I'm not who my dad says I am or who my mom says I am or who my wife or girlfriend says, I'm, I am, I am an adult because I know I'm an adult. I'm, mm-hmm. I have achieved manhood. I'm, I'm, I am an adult, fully functioning adult. So that actually tells me a lot. I didn't, I didn't catch for whatever reason that these are actually uh, sequential at first. Yeah. I, I think, I think they are. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, um, either cyclically or, or one at a time, kind of like the stages of grief mm-hmm. where they're not necessarily, 
um, in order. So these maybe they are in order at first as you um, actually mature mm-hmm. and then maintaining a sort of um, healthy, mature adult mindset mm-hmm. is dealing with these as they come up and making making sure they're all um, the integrity of each one is intact. Exactly. So, um, for example, the connecting and bonding is something that you you learn at birth and you keep relearning. And then if you're married for 25 years and you come home one day and find out that your spouse has had a five-year-long affair and they're leaving you, then you have to process this violation of this connection and bond that you had. And then you have to decide if you're going to ever connect and bond with another person of the opposite sex like you did then, or are you just going to shut that down and not risk more pain? And, And then to process all that pain. So this is what life is like. Life is not perfect. And so this gap between the ideal and the reality that I face, there's a gap there. And sometimes there's a tiny gap, and sometimes there is a deep canyon. And so uh, to the degree that I can navigate that, I can remain emotionally healthy and mentally healthy. And to the degree that I can't or that my whole toolbox has been sabotaged because of my developmental years, you know, basically psychologists would say, uh, birth to eight to 10 years old, that um, 75 or 80% of you, who you are um, is because of those first eight to 10 years. Yeah. Which is so, so crazy. You mentioned that, um, uh, you know, babies who don't have the, the, um, the healthy amount of physical touch in the, in their very, very first, you know, mm-hmm. uh, months, how crazy that can change their life. And that's something you would never, ever remember. Unless your uh, uh, mom's cousin or whoever said that he could remember being born, right, right. But just that, <laughs> but just that it's so subconscious and 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 crucial to you. And it shapes your brain, and it shapes your yeah. emotions, and your personality, and your uh, the yeah, so much of you. And there is also this you that was born with a very unique personality and a very unique mm-hmm. uh, temperament and a very unique package from from God. Uh, that then is colored and supplemented by the experiences you have. Yeah, and uh, and the I have a big question on the um, determination of good and, of good and bad. Mm-hmm. So this is not um, you didn't frame it as a kind of cosmic good and evil. That not it's not a recognition of of the law of God. You didn't frame it like that. Right. Is, it, is it is it a recognition of how you view the world really, or or how does that? No, I, I mean more play? of an episodic good or bad. So um, so you're married 25 years, your spouse had a five-year affair, now they've walked out on you. Mm-hmm. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, this is a tragic, terrible thing. You've been lied to. You've been deceived. You've been hurt. You've been gotcha. uh, misrepresented. That's a bad thing, and, and you need to identify it as bad. Somebody, Some people with their dysfunction go, no, that's not bad. I'm bad. It's mm. my fault that they had an affair. It's my fault that they left me. It's th- This is about me. And so I can't find myself and I can't separate their character or behavior or person from myself. Then that becomes a distorted of good or bad. And again, on the maturity side, that's what a, a child does in cases like divorce mm-hmm. or, or even abuse. Um, yeah, they blame themselves. They blame themselves. Exactly. So, so that would be something that you learn as you mature, and then you you um, you guard the integrity of that skill. Yeah, and um, it's also the ability to say this bad thing happened, but look at the good that is coming from it now. Mm. Uh, whereas, if you get stuck in the bad, then that thing and everything attached to that thing, and every person attached to that thing, and every house that was attached to that, and every car and every song, it's all bad. Yeah, and so the it's the ability to process your pain and to find good in it and to move toward good. I think it would help me a lot if we uh, went over some more um, practical examples like that. Would you want to do a quick uh, show and tell and commercial break before we hop into that? Yeah, let's do that, and then um, well, let me let me do one thing first, and then okay, sure. then we'll do um, your show and tell. It is, and and because the examples have not been plentiful enough, you may not have an opinion about this yet. Um, it is my opinion. So, so we have um, sometimes we have um, psychological, mental health, or anxiety kind of disorders because of the physiology in our body. 
There's sure, a chemical sure. missing. There's a misfire in the brain. Um, the machine's not working right. Right, right. And that is medically diagnosed. I don't, I, you know, I'm not, I don't have any expertise there. But my theory, my theory is that 95% of our emotional mental health issues stem from this conversation we're having about these four um, these four tasks and the reality of pain, um, that 95% of, of the pain and the anxiety, whatever, despair that we experience comes from not doing these four tasks um, effectively. Hmm. Okay, so I have, say I'm, I'm dealing with... Uh, a general hopelessness or depression. Yes. It's not, it's not chronic. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's, it would be mm-hmm. medically diagnosed. Um, but you feel, uh, or I feel despair. Life is meaningless. Mm-hmm. Which of these four things, um, if you don't know me, which one, which one do you say, check, check that out. See, see if you're, mm-hmm. see if something's misfiring in that, in that, um, category or well, is it multiple? No, this is why every, <laughs> almost every therapist will say, by the second session, tell me about your parents. Hmm. And um, there will be dynamics from the same-sex parent, and there will be dynamics from the opposite-sex parent, and there will be this uh, connecting and bonding, this um, sense of self that was handed to you from your parents, uh, that they define you as good or they define you as terrible, and you embrace that definition so, uh, you know, that eight to 10 years, that first eight to 10 years of your life, the context yeah. of those eight to 10 years turns out to be a really big part of that. Interesting. Even, even if it is not chronic, even if, if you're in a season, well, you might be in a season where you say, well, let's talk about what you've gone through. Tell me, tell me about the last six months of your life. Well, my, both my parents died. I uh, changed jobs three times. I relocated across the country. Uh, and I. Uh, won the lottery. Um, that right there <laughs> busy, is is a volume because it doesn't matter if they're all bad or good. This volume of intensity in a short span of time can create a whole bunch of that. So uh, it could be that you can find the precipitating events that that got you there, and or it may be that this has been lingering on under the surface, and we want to find out why. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, um, let's do your uh, show and tell. Okay, I actually got this yesterday. So my birthday was uh, a week ago, but we just came up to Snohomish, which is where I'm, uh, we are uh, uh, distance Zooming. And so uh, my mother-in-law, who is really good at giving gifts, just like my wife, um, she got me a uh, capo for my new guitar, which I... Oh, nice. Yeah, when I had gone to, uh, when I went to Northwest... I found one in the apartment that I moved into just sitting around and it it was great and then somehow that just disappeared but I guess I found it from nothing and maybe some other guy found it the same way and it's just this like traveling <laughs> capo anyway I got that a uh, book I've been wanting and this uh poncho which is a running joke with my mother-in-law because I think they're cool <laughs> based off mainly the Clint Eastwood character from the uh dollar trilogy a uh, fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, and the good, the bad, the ugly. The and, dollars uh, trilogy. I've never heard it called that. Yeah, it's it, that's the colloquial name. They're made under th- under different publishers, so they don't have an official. Oh, yeah, because they weren't really a trilogy, right? They're it, just the same director and the same actor making three different movies, and they so, just don't do this kind of epic thing anymore. I mean, he is the man with no name. Yeah, but also you would be sued out of your mind if you did this today because the studio would not give them the rights to the character. So they just made the same movie with a different character who looks and acts and talks. Oh, exactly really? The same. Yeah. That's why they're not all. I see. I see. That's why the guy has, di- he's not, uh, he has no name because he can't have one name for all three movies <laughs> in the second one. And for a few dollars more, which is my favorite, uh, yeah. he's called Monko, which means lame hand because he hides his right arm all the time. Cause right. it's sitting on his pistol. Anyway, this That's poncho awesome. is my show and tell. And does this poncho look like one he had? Uh, not specifically. His is like, if I remember correct, it's like a beige, kind of like an earthy tan. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yeah. This one. And his has tassels, I think, at the bottom kind of thing. I don't know if that one does, but mine does. This is, I've always called them, 
and I don't know if this is correct. I've always called them Mexican blankets. I'm sure they have yes. a proper name. Maybe that's the proper name. But it looks like a Mexican blanket. Um, it's got horizontal I wonder stripes. if that's a Texas thing because that's what we've always called them. Um, okay. And being so close to Mexico, you know, I don't know if that's the way what they'd call them in Washington or not. I don't know. But, if I mean, everyone's had to have seen them. There was a big phase in the early 2010s where people were wearing them as hoodies. <laughs> yeah. They made hoodies out of these. Oh, they probably yeah, still do, yeah. but, but they're not crazy popular Those anymore. felt more like burlap. Yeah, this one does, too. It's kind of scratchy. Okay. I wouldn't wear it against my bare skin. Not that I'm going around shirtless underneath the poncho anyway, but <laughs> but uh, the colors are like gray, red, white, and uh, like a light brown. Um, I really like it. I don't know how much I'm going to be wearing this thing because it's a poncho, unless they get cool in the next little bit. Hey, John. Maybe I could be, I could be part of it. What's you, up? You are cool. Your coolness <laughs> is not defined by what other people perceive. I understand that, but I'm also aware <laughs> of the importance of presentation yeah. for yourself to others. I, I agree. Everything communicates. Everything communicates. So so I'm not going to think less of anybody for wearing a poncho, but I don't want anyone to think less of me for wearing a poncho. That might just be me explaining away my insecurity. Maybe I'll have to wear it as a growth opportunity. But I'll hold it up and I'll show you. You can see how well I did. Oh, yeah, you did good. There's a, I don't know what you'd call that pattern in the middle of the white uh, stripe. I don't know either, but it's on all of these Mexican blankets. Yeah, it's like I, it a, looks like almost like the Chevrolet logo. <laughs> a little bit, like a stylized, like a stylized, yeah, Chevrolet logo. Yeah, but there it is. Uh, I will post. I was going to say I'll post a picture of myself in it. I don't know if I'll do that. There is one of <laughs> me already, so I maybe I'll just throw that up there. My brother-in-law also got a poncho, so there's one uh, a picture of both of us wearing our ponchos. Um. But yeah, that's my show and tell for the week. That's awesome. I love it. Well, here's the commercial break. We'll be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back, and uh, man, we appreciate your support and uh, your your listening. We're going to wrap this up with a couple of thoughts here, John. Um, when I, did you wanted some examples? Yeah, well, more like um, like that was helpful talking about the um, uh, episodic problems so mm-hmm. again a, a crisis comes up and and how to use these really in a practical sense as a diagnostic tool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um boundaries isn't something i think of a lot and i think i naturally make them with um acquaintances and and, and stuff mm-hmm. but with like my family and with with my wife it's not something i think of all the time so that always catches me off guard because i've heard of obviously the the concept of boundaries before so it's not like you know, this wasn't like a, whoa, I never thought of that. But, but every time it does come up, I think I don't purposefully set up boundaries between me and my wife, but you it's healthy to have them in the first place. But yeah, but I don't think it, you know, that kind of thing. But the question would be, do you notice when, when boundaries get violated, when somebody is too forward, when somebody expects something from you that is not appropriate for them to expect from you, Mm -hmm. um, when people blame you for their unhappiness, uh, if you're tempted to blame someone else for your own unhappiness, you know, these are boundary issues because um, of where responsibility lies. And um, so those are boundary related issues that can be episodic or they can be patterns. So it could be like, um, I'm feeling anxious because I'm stressed because this person is very important to me is crossing these boundaries and putting too much pressure on me that doesn't belong there. Like that kind of thing. Yes. Or, um, 
You ever met a person who you've known for nine minutes and they've told you all their deepest, darkest secrets? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that person has a boundaries issue and mm-hmm. they don't recognize that those levels of detail are not appropriate for strangers. Hmm. Uh, but what they're doing is they're searching for this human connection and they need it so badly that they are really inflicting upon you the burden of these deeply private pieces of information. And it naturally pushes you away because you're like, whoa, uh, oh, you know. <laughs> so they're they're trying to, again, to the topic of pain, which we haven't actually talked a ton about mm-hmm. since we introduced it, but they're trying to solve their um, pain in an unhealthy way by not really understanding or having an appropriate view of the, those boundaries. And so much of what we do is not uh, conscious. So we're mm-hmm. kind of like torpedoes that have been launched, and we send out signals. And when and the signal of a torpedo, you know, it'll find the target and bounce back and tell the torpedo. So if the target moves to the right, the torpedo will move to the right because it's feeding off the, what it gets back. And sure. we all do this. Um with environments and people and relationships. But if we are not very good at understanding the signals um, or we think the signal should be different than they really should be, you know, this distorts our ability to have relationships. And then we miss the, miss the proverbial. Right. And then we're wondering how come, how come I keep picking? You'll see uh, I've, you know, you might see a woman who picks uh, abusive domineering type men or habitual cheaters over and over and over and over again. She can't seem to pick a guy who's good for her. Yeah. Um, and this is because of some some pain from the past and some development that did not occur, potentially. Yeah. So for sure. you, you can't just armchair diagnose people, but but there but this is what becomes powerful is that as you as you confront your pain, and this is this would be the thing. And so now I want to go to like two scripture passages that are. Uh, building blocks for me in this conversation. In Jeremiah 1, um, God says to him, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to, and he does this, to uproot and to tear down and to destroy and to overthrow and to plant and to build. And so what happens is, uh, and I think this is a very great framework for processing our lives. So yeah. uh, there are things in our life we need to uproot them. They are deeply rooted in us, and they need to be uprooted. There are things that need to be torn down, things that have been built that should not have been built. There are things that need to be destroyed, powers, authority figures, or influences. And there are things that need to be overthrown. And then there's also the construction process. I need to build and plant new things in my heart, my mind, my soul. So I, I think of the self-reflection, counseling process as that process. Let's identify what needs to be uprooted, torn down, destroyed, or overthrown, and what needs to be built to help you move through your pain, process your pain, and uh, become healthy. And it is, it is so interesting that the majority of those are destructive, um, destructive. Exactly. That is taking is, is removing things. Yeah. And then the, the minority is, is, is replacing them is building things. Yeah. Then the other one is Romans 12, one, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to know and approve God's perfect will. And uh, mm-hmm. the word transformed by the renewing of your mind, the word renew means to renovate or rebuild. So it's, it's equivalent to like ripping out some walls, putting in some new walls, redesigning the house. And gotcha. so what you have to do in your mind to be transformed is you have to redesign some of the ways you think, some of the ways you've interpreted events of your life, some of the ways that you've been affected by others. And you need to reframe that so that you have a, a healthier view of it. You need to reconcile some of your pain before God. So that maybe it is painful and there's nothing you can do about it. So how do I reconcile that reality so that I can move on and be healthy? Those, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's not always like when I was, especially when I was younger, I was like, how come the Bible never really talks about um, romance? Mm. Like, like they talk about marriage occasionally, but it's never necessarily romantic. Rarely. I wouldn't say never. Rarely romantic. Yeah. Um, But, but the more I read it, the more I realize it really does touch on everything. Um, well, and you have the Song of Solomon, which is extremely romantic. Um, <laughs> it's extremely sensual. 
May the uh, may if you want may the breast of her youth satisfy you always. One of my favorite yeah. verses. Yeah, I'm just saying if you're trying to you know court somebody and you jump right to Song right. of Solomon, you're you know you're skipping a few chapters. <laughs> uh, but well, no, I, you know I, that's a great that's a great point though when you talk about how people navigate their sexuality. Mm-hmm. It always has marveled me that people will go into a bar, meet an absolute stranger that they don't even know their name. They don't know their birthday. They don't know anything about them. And they will share the most private parts of their body with them and have this uh, incredibly intimate experience with them and then leave and never see them again. And it is the reason that's such a dangerous thing to do is it's just like the person who opens up and tells you their whole life story and you've known them 30 seconds. Totally. Totally. And so, um, th- but it's how deeply we want this connecting and bonding and how deeply we want to be loved and express love. And so we're willing to do really dumb things like that. I think a lot of our um, perversion, either, you know, sexual or otherwise, is um, trying to uh, fill needs that are, um, that we're born with and that we can fill in God honoring ways. Mm. So like, like, um, pornography is the even is the is the lower bar version of that. It's the cheaper, easier access version of that. Where it's like, I want to feel this. How can I feel this in like thirty minutes mm-hmm. and not build up a lifetime relationship with right. somebody? Right. You know, not do all the groundwork it takes to get there. Exactly. Or to have and that it, as a sustainable thing. Exactly. And it, and it's just a it's a cheap cheap counterfeit where mm-hmm. it's you're just going to be feeling worse and lonelier than you were before anyways at the end you, it at feels end. good for a moment or a season and then it and then it bites yeah yeah do you have a, a takeaway for this episode well you know i i this can be overwhelming there's so much what you realize is that we are complicated beings yeah. that life is hard for everybody and we are complicated complicated beings and um the the scriptures would say about the human heart that it is deceptive, broken, and desperately sick. Who can even know it? So um, this is why it's so awesome to know God, because I'm not capable of even understanding myself, let yeah. alone understanding you or the world or other people. Uh, but God comes and he helps us to um, to be anchored and to understand ourselves, to to learn. He'll reveal. He'll care. He'll... He'll nurture. He'll heal. Um, I don't know how people do life without God. I really don't. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that like with even the crazy, profound leaps that we've had in uh, medical science, understanding human anatomy, and Mm -hmm. um, there's still tiny amounts known of how the human brain actually works or or how to navigate it. Yeah. but and and just the field that uh, psychology on its own is is like one of the youngest um, scientific fields that we have. It's what like I won't, I won't throw a number out there; it'd be wrong. But it's a it's a it's very young. It's it a young science. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What's your um, takeaway, John? Well, that's definitely part of it. I think one of the reasons why I get um, I've said a few times that I, I don't think I'm good at this. I think one of the reasons I get discouraged by the enormity of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like this, you know, you said you, <laughs> we're going to talk about this list of four things that I that I um, that I'm passionate about, and I was like, oh, easy. And even then, it's kind of you know, it's defying my my brain a little bit. But uh, um, I think a lot of them kind of boil down to that last point is kind of the recognition of the self, the the, the singular mm-hmm. unit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, recognizing where you stop and other people begin, mm-hmm. um, and kind of a healthy perspective. Regarding that, I think it kind of, um, they build on each other, right? The first two are obviously connected. Yeah. Um, and then the third one seems to be kind of like a wild card. And then the fourth one is, is holistic. It is, um, it is, I need I, like even viewing connection and, and separation is, is knowing the self and then knowing good or bad is how it relates to the self. And it, and, um, maybe boundaries is my biggest takeaway because it is again, something that I don't always consciously think about, um, but yeah. the importance of, of that. I think uh, think of the word identity, yeah. um, knowing who and whose you are. I mm. find those to be so fundamental to um, the human experience. I need to know who I am, like where I came from, what my family or of origin is like, what it's like to grow up in the geography and the economy that I grew up in, what it's like to grow up in the race that I grew up in. 
to know my strengths, my weaknesses, my sinful patterns, you know, to, to really know who I am and to know whose I am, that I've been a blood-bought son or daughter of the living God. I've been redeemed. He calls me by name. And I think totally. that that really is the, the foundational piece of building your house on the rock so that when the storms come and you encounter pain in your life, you're able to withstand the storm because you know who you are and you know whose you are. Yeah, I think, like like you were saying, how you don't know how people do it without God. I think, like, that hopeless feeling that I talked about, and I and I was using it mostly as an example, and it, it is something that I've dealt with, but I would never, um, I would not assume that I have a, a kind of, um, a, a recurring problem with it. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. that it's not a, um, a, a lifelong right. depression. But when I think about um, how you function with believing that... Um, that there's just a void out there that soul, no human being has a soul. We're just smart mm, monkeys mm-hmm. who mean nothing. And when we die, we're gone. It's like, how do you even, man, that that's a, to me, it's, that's crazy. Yeah. That is a very depressing thought. Yeah. Like the, um, like a, there's a lot of jokes about, uh, not seeping into like existential dread. Existential dread is like the hot word of my generation. Oh, and it's like, if you truly believe that, then existential dread is the correct response, <laughs> right? Like, don't, yeah. if that's what you believe, then don't run away from it because that's the that's the fruit of that yeah of that universe that you believe exists. It's, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I guess uh, I wouldn't say that I um, envy people. There, I guess is what is is the point of it. Is that I'm very grateful for uh, yeah for our God. Well, let me finish by saying this. Um, we are big believers in professional counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, psychology actually comes from the Greek word suke, P-S-U-C-H-E, which is the word for soul in the Bible. So psychology nice. really is soul care. It's it's sorting out the complexities of your soul. And so we very much believe in that and encourage you to pursue help, get help, have people to talk to. Uh, that human connection, that, that, that uh, task number one of connecting and bonding is so powerful in the process of being a human being. So we just want to encourage you, if you're battling uh, mental health, emotional health, soul care kind of issues, man, we're cheering you on and encourage you to not face that all alone. 100%. Yeah, that's huge. And I feel like that one, the other uh, tools that we have is uh, to deal with the injuries and complications that occur when you when you have people very close to you and you're very vulnerable to people. But the pain of not having anybody that you're vulnerable with is also that's uh, unbearable. huge. Yeah. That's unbearable. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening, John. Thanks for the conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I love uh, I love the episodes where you you're very uh, um, you're really behind something, and I and I learn a lot. I know normally we try and both chip in, but I, I personally enjoy the ones where I where I get to learn a lot. It's it's fun. I appreciate that. I like the ones where you too come in with the with your hair on fire about a topic and you want to sort it out. I enjoy those as well. So hope this I'll, has been I'll try fun. And, I'll try and dig deep and, and get on fire for something for, <laughs> for next week or something. All right. Hey thanks for listening. Tell a friend, share the episode and we are grateful for your listening. Check us out info at jimandjohn.com. You can email us no H in the John. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Episode ideas, feedback, questions. We will answer every email we get. And so we're grateful for those. Uh, John, where can they catch us on our website and Instagram? Uh, website at jimandjohn.com. And there you can find our blog, which uh, uh, my dad's currently carrying that one on his back. I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to pitch in soon. But uh, we post on that. We try and do it once a week. It's turned out to be about two times a month. But you can still hop on there. And, and some of these ideas we explore a little more in depth. Uh, and our podcast is available on there if you'd prefer in a web format. Uh, and you can also contact us there. We'll get that in email form and still mm-hmm. be able to get back to you the same way mm-hmm. if you'd prefer that. Uh, and our Instagram at uh, Jim and John. And you can comment on our posts there or uh, direct message us. That's another good way to get a hold of us. And uh, I think that's everything. Awesome. Have a great day and thanks for listening. <laughs>